Even as we continue to face some harrowing unknowns, the lessons we've learned the past year have fortified us and future generations. The brave pivots of individuals and industries around the globe have shown us that agility and resilience are the insurance we need to press forward. That nothing matters if we don't have our health and one another. Even while many of us stayed home, life went on. Across the digital and social media space, healthcare and technology, the workplace and travel, we tracked enormous evolutions. In our new 2021 Red Sky predictions, we're forecasting the 10 fundamental trends that will shape the integrated communications and PR landscape post-pandemic. I'm Nancy Anderson, and this is the Red Sky Fuel for Thought podcast. We'll close out the final of a three-part series with Davitha Tiller, Executive Vice President of Red Havas US, and Lars Bangston, Chief Content Officer at Havas Health and You. Together, they will discuss the short-form, long-form, new-form prediction, which outlines how the traditional rules of content creation are losing relevance as a result of so many new and disruptive formats. The pair will discuss our comeback of community trend and how a year of physical isolation breathed new life into social. We'll turn it over to Davitha and Lars to get the discussion underway, and then you can read the full 2021 Red Sky Predictions report at redhavas.com. Thanks, Nancy. We'll dive in now. So let's talk about this first trend. So it's short form, long form, new form. Now, right. you know, we were, so Mark Campbell and I, he's, he's our global head of content. We were, we were kind of toying around with a number of different concepts and we felt like this really has been uh, an evolution over the last few years, but it's almost like the last year in content. And specifically when you think about the social space has truly kind of made this, like, we need to talk about this now because we're right. getting stuck in old patterns sometimes that you know just aren't applicable anymore and so it's time to kind of start to redefine like what content actually is and how we def how we also uh refer to it and we we started talking about the idea that you know so far marketers have always kind of talked about short form being you know between kind of you know three and 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 sometimes 30 seconds people will say others will say you know anywhere under 15 um it's usually kind of you know video content um and then there's long form which is you know more of your kind of youtube-esque um longer form video but also you know obviously blog content and things like that and so it's just been thrown into these two buckets and we felt like it was really it's time to reinvent this because if you think about you know all the different formats that have come in over the last number of years we've now got you know stories front and center across every single platform. And it's really almost like a, a merger of these different formats that we've known before um, because you, you tap through. And so you can tell a, a very long story in, you know, very kind of um, in snippets essentially. And so many different features and kind of uh, interaction formats within that. Um, and so we started to talk about that. And so we said, right, it's, it's time to talk about new form and it's time to talk about, it's not really about the length of the content that shouldn't define what the content is called or referred as, or how we kind of, you know, view it. We should think about the story that we're trying to tell and like the purpose of the actual message behind it and then how we bring that to life. So how, how have you seen this trend evolve and with your, That's your past and current clients, I guess. That's a great question. And, and I have a very, I, I'll have a very specific perspective on this because I have, I've just come into the healthcare world as Havas right. Health and Use Chief Content Officer. 
But prior to that, my world ran through six years of Vice Media, where basically I learned to tell a good story. Uh, right. then, then Thrive Global with Ariana Huffington, where I learned to put that story into actionable well-being. Yeah. Um, and, 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 then, and, and then some. But um, I say this, I, you know, on, on both sides of the ball, the, more, the much more liberal and free, you know, non-healthcare side, as well as the more restricted and, right. and looked over uh, healthcare side, Marketers who think in short and long form content first are just putting the cart before the horse, before understanding where you put your message and how long or short it might be or how tappable you want to make it. It begs the question exactly what you said. What is our message? Yeah. And I say this because I think the majority of people, if you ask that to a majority of the marketers, they'll have some sort of an answer. Yeah. But how relevant and current to today that answer is, is very disproportionate right you know take, take taking the the healthcare industry as an example but you know it, it can very much be a proxy for a lot of the more conservative industry in, in, in media and advertising it's it's shifted its sights on meaningful content for the first time in its entire existence as a way forward for the their businesses mm -hmm. you know moreover lucky for them too the cultural winds of change have shifted to make this a possibility for the first time consumers mm -hmm. like you and me are getting smarter they're being asked to connect they're being asked we're asking them to connect with us on a more deeper level in order to get our attention and brands like pfizer and moderna have become household names in pop culture is something you never what? really right <laughs> who would have who would have thought that you're, you're seeing on, on, on like Gen Z and, and millennial Instagram and TikTok accounts, pro Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson and Johnson memes. <laughs> yeah. It's, but this is, this is it. This is the, but you know, before that industry or any industry creates meaningful content or experiments with cool formats, I think it first needs to understand the principles behind creating meaningful content. Right. Do you agree? Totally. I totally agree. And I think it's, you know, I always like to refer to it. Like when I talk to my clients, I kind of say it's about telling one singular story in many different shapes. So start with the story. If you understand what your story is about and how, you know, of course you tailor similar to how, you know, as, as people, when we talk, when I talk to you versus when I talk to my mom, you know, I'm going to have a different mm -hmm. kind of lens and tone on, on how I say things, but you know, I'm still me. And so I think with brands, it's it's simple as that, really. Um, I think very often brands, especially marketers, you know, get caught up in kind of the channel or in the format. Um, right. when really, it's you know we're starting to see a merger of all of these formats across different channels. Uh, like I said, you now have stories is is a new it's kind of like what the hashtag was you know the mm -hmm. hashtag came to life on twitter and it was first kind of discovered there um but now we can't imagine social without hashtags across the board so i see these up and coming formats whether it be stories whether it be you know tiktok and reels uh whether it be mm -hmm. clubhouse and you know the the new kind of audio wave that is happening and of course we're seeing that across twitter now as well um, there's just mm -hmm. so many different formats to play with, but what it really starts with is who, who are you, what are you here to say, and why is that relevant to the audience that you're talking to, and then how can you kind of, you know, interchange that message uh, in different formats. Totally, and, and you, you bring up such a good point too, you know, if the, the, there is a North Star that a lot of these brands point to when they look at the new content today, they look at a TikTok creator with 10 million views and say, hey, make us like that. The yeah. fundamental difference in there, the fundamental misunderstanding is that 
you know, Dabs, if you and me were TikTok, a TikTok duo, we have unlimited, we have nearly unlimited freedom to post whatever we want, right. as fast as we want, as many times as we want, and reach as many people as we want. We have full agency, barring the, the uh, you know, anything outside the legality of, you know, of, of our own actions to be able to create. And while brands take a look at that and, you know, start salivating because they see that engagement, they see those numbers, they don't play in the same playground as we do. They right. have legal restrictions and they have, um, they have uh, advertising guidelines. They have things they can and can't say. They have more to learn and more homework to do before being able to create that piece of content that we can create in two seconds before going off to the next thing. Yeah. So to your point, you know, what I, I learned, I learned advice, um, tell the story, the, the, the length and time will dictate itself. Right. Go, totally. go out and shoot. There's been plenty of times where we've done branded deals and editorial deals back then where we were fully intending to shoot a YouTube piece and it turned out and be way better for Instagram. Or we were shooting a short form snackable quote unquote piece. And as we were unfolding the story, we said, you know what? No, this needs to be a 15 minute full mini doc. Yeah, this, mini like, doc. So, and, and, and us as creators, you know, we can jump on YouTube if we have something longer to say, or we can jump on TikTok if we have something shorter to say and everywhere in between. But what you said before of having the lead, having the story dictate the formats is exactly right. I've I've actually um, one one of the trends or one of the the major milestones that need to be evolved in in this world that I'm stepping into yeah. is the perception of content. The literal definition of content right. is very much rooted in an asset based standpoint. So it's a collection of asset 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 asset, and it makes sense because. This is a world where advertising has ruled and storytelling has come second, which I found quite paradoxical yeah. given how much good storytelling there is in health, but that's beyond the point. The fact of the matter is that in, with advertising, you, you, are, you have the freedom of going through months long legal review processes. And when that is fine, you know, when the idea is finally on the other side, it's battered, yeah. but it's still alive. It's then you know, taken with both hands as fact and copy and pasted into different formats and just kind of thrown into culture. Right. Whereas where the right industries are moving and how they're replicating some of the best creators is thinking about ideas in, in basically idea-led formats. Take the idea, take that core idea mm -hmm. and figure out what the ecosystem is around it to bring it to life. And I do think, you know, I do think it is important to, um, and this comes back to, you know, why strategy is so key in all of this, because um, it really is kind of setting the tone for, for how you want to roll out your story. And of course, um, you know, you, you can't be everywhere all the time. Like that's the other thing is you need to, I think it's always about quality over quantity and thinking about, you know, which channels can you ultimately really activate on consistently um, and, 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 and of course, when you're creating content, you know, not everything is always going to live everywhere, but you do need to think about maintaining a presence and, you know, having a consistent narrative across each of the channels that you choose to enter. So I think it's definitely a part of it, but, you know, it's time for us, I think as marketers and, uh, and as brands to start to just think outside of the square of what we've come to know about contents and it being long form and short form. And, you know, like we talked about, it's it's time to start thinking about tappable content because that's a whole category of its own now that lives across channels. And it just has a different set of kind of considerations to it. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to see how this trend is gonna come to life 
further um, across the year. And especially with industries like health, as you said, how they're going to kind of adapt their thinking to, um, to cater to what audiences want, which is multiple formats in across this, you know, multiple channels delivered in a really interesting and engaging way. Um, but ultimately, they're expecting to see that that purpose come through. And we know that. So that's that's the most important thing is to have that consistency there in the story. You're totally right. I mean, I, the way I see it, what makes me excited about moving into this world is that healthcare companies have this unbelievably seizable moment in front of them. You yeah. Know, they, you know, between, you know, we, the cultural conditions we talked about to, to the times of today, by reorienting their communication with the intent to build and sustain trust above all, yeah. then a whole world of creative opportunities and content opens up in front of them. That right. individual and collective health are the most important topic in the world overnight means that brand partners have this incredible opportunity to take this leading role in their lives and create content for patients and healthcare providers that informs, that inspires, that educates well beyond the condition and well beyond the transaction. Totally. And I think what's fascinating too, is that we have, you know, when we talk about, you know, the healthcare space, for example, but then we have brands that are fully, just completely outside of the healthcare space that now need mm -hmm. to start thinking like health brands, you know, because right. oh, yeah. That's right. health brand. so you have that paradox happening where kind of worlds are colliding. Um, and I think everyone wants to emulate the other. <laughs> yeah, and we're gonna see a lot of a lot of learnings come through, um, you know, over the coming year. And you're you're already seeing that. I mean, if you look at kind of, um, I think Delta is a really good example. When when COVID first hit, I mean, I think they just did a stellar job of communicating very transparently about you know their the issue first of all, like acknowledging the the pandemic, which a lot of brands didn't do. Um, and then actually using all of their different channels in smart ways to connect with their audience and showcase what they're doing and the initiatives that they're taking. And, you know, they launched the new Delta safe standard and they kind of did a whole series on that. And you could see it on LinkedIn live. You could see it on Facebook, you know, stories, you could see it in, um, on Instagram, uh, through IGTV. Like there were just so many touch points, but the message came through really clearly and it was all about transparency. Um, and I think that's just, that's really admirable to see brands who obviously have now needed to take on such responsibility from a health standpoint that they, you know, they, they always have had to a degree, some of them, but this is now a key consideration for any brand. And that's going to be really interesting I, to see that. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I'm, I, I saw it last, you know, when I was, when I was coming from Vice to Thrive Global, right. one of the things that excited me back then was, you know, it was even just as, as, as early as 2019, but the conversation about wellness and well-being yeah. what has be, was, be, was a, was, went from a fringe topic to a global pop culture topic huh. and it entered the enterprise. You know, yeah. the, the, the idea, what was really interesting is was creating content both for the community and also for the, uh, the internal enterprise community focused on uh, investing in well-being. And there are companies paying a lot of money to do that. I, I, I literally use the same uh, example with Delta as proxy, you know, just, just <laughs> when, when I talk about this, because I do think that, you know, when the world opens up in its version two version of itself over time. Yeah. The decisions that, you know, decisions before you jump on a plane or get into a hotel or get into a car are going to be impacted by the communication of, of those health standards. Totally. And it's, it's not necessarily just to say, as you said, you know, it's not to say 
we're the safest. It's also how to say they're the safest. Delta was one of the first ones to tap into that deep millennial insight of open and honest and transparent communication and became so many millennials, you know, airline of choice because of that. The simple fact that they were just willing to have the conversation uh, on an ongoing basis with their community. And I think it's going to, that's going to increase tenfold in the coming years as people are going to be, as companies are going to be vying for consumer attention based on their sophisticated safety standards. Totally. Yeah, We're healthier kind of, than the next guy. <laughs> Absolutely. This kind of, I mean, that leads us well into the second trend too, that I know we, um, you know, we have on our agenda for this one, for this podcast, which is the comeback of community. And so when we were writing this, I mean, what we, we were really just zooming out and thinking about, you know, what has happened over the last number of years and how, how COVID has kind of accelerated uh, some of these behaviors that we're now seeing um, in social media. So if you think back to, you know, when social media first came about, I mean, we know that it was all about social networking and it was all about community. And so you had, you know, platforms like Facebook, uh, which was obviously about rallying around the, um, the, um, the uh, university campus. Then you have LinkedIn, which is all about bringing your professional network into one place. And so it was really focused on that community aspect. And I think, you know, over the years, we've seen that change. We've seen um, social media become a mass marketing channel and it's no longer, you know, the, the, the little sister to TV and all the other kind of broadcast formats. It's now actually uh, a place where you can reach just as many people. And so brands have started to adapt to that. And of course, you know, through the monetization of all these platforms and algorithms and being able to very accurately target um, as, as small or large of an audience as you want, We've seen that change. And so, um, you know, ultimately, I know that back in, I think it was 2018, um, Facebook rolled out this massive change to their algorithm, which was really all about prioritizing personal connections again. And the reason for that was that people simply weren't engaging with each other anymore in the same way that they were. So they weren't seeing, you know, the level of interaction through comments, through, you know, just conversation and actual connection between people. It was more, much more passive. So kind of viewing videos, um, you know, interacting with ads, but not necessarily actually using social to be social. And I think we've seen, we've seen that change radically over the last year with, with the pandemic coming in. Um, there's been such a shift in behaviors and I'm really curious to kind of get your POV on that. Yeah, I, I think there's so much to say about it. I mean, just on, on using the Facebook example as a jumping off point back in what they did in 2015, 2016, you know, look what that was a decision built on the theory of community and connection. The, the theory was this, get brand, get less brands and publishers in front of their faces and folks will return to this sort of neighborhoody vibe that Facebook of 2007, 2008 once was. As a result, the opposite happened. <clears throat> Brands went under. Uh, uh, entire departments got fired yep. uh, across the <laughs> industry. And people were entrenched. That started a, a, a major, major algorithmic uh, uh, flurry of people entrenching more and more into one side. Yeah. So I, I think it's... When we look towards social media, it's, how do I put this here? I think 
modern social media has always been a duality between time wasting and life affirming content, between dangerous and 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 life saving, with thousands of gradients in the middle. The you know the point on, on community and human connection though is more true than ever. It's it's I think it's not groundbreaking to say that online communities have proliferated and flourished under a year of lockdown restrictions. You see platforms like Clubhouse being alive as a direct reflection of a post pandemic world, right? But what's groundbreaking to me is the power that social media communities have to change the lives of those who are struggling the most. You know, I, I, I'm again using my, my, my fresh new health brain. Yeah. Um, when researching communities online for, for a partnership uh, with a bipolar treatment, I found a subreddit community of 125,000 people with suffering from bipolar disorder, propping themselves up, keeping themselves going, sharing motivational tips, sharing things that had worked for them, sharing their times of pain so others can kind of kind of rally around them. And over a million bipolar tags on Instagram and, uh, and TikTok. Right. And, he, and it goes back into, I know we're talking about uh, community now, but it goes back into your, the part uh, that you said in the previous section about the importance of strategy. Because when we're looking at how to communicate, I went rogue and looked in deep into these communities. And I came back and said, our strategy needs to include a real, real media strategy understanding of who these people are, what yeah. platforms they're coming onto, how they're speaking online, what are they talking about to their doctor versus their friend, because what I'm seeing here online is a path forward to communication with them. Really and is. so I think that the, the, the power of these communities and the transparency uh, allows brands that, that invest in curiosity and invest in their own listening to be able to point to the North Star of their communications directions for them. Right. And it's fascinating because even, you know, if you, you Clubhouse is a perfect example of one of those community led, I mean, it literally is audio room, you know, like they, the way that it's set up is to, to bring people together to talk around, you know, to ha have conversation around certain subjects. And I think it's a natural evolution that's happened because all of our connections are now virtual, um, you know, or the majority at least are, we, we aren't able to connect with the people we love, the people we know, the people we kind of know, uh, the people we don't know in, you know, in a, mm -hmm. in a real way, in, in, a, in a physical way. So it's all about virtual and social, of course, has really played a huge role in doing that. I mean, um, you know, we've, we Zoom alone and we, <laughs> we're recording right now, but Zoom alone right. is a prime example of that and kind of a social platform in its own right, you know, um, but then we've also seen, aside from these kind of newcomers that we've seen come in, we also are seeing old formats take on a whole new level of importance. So for example, Facebook groups um, has seen, has skyrocketed in the last year, you know, the use of groups, there's so many people out there and I'm one of them that don't use Facebook anymore for other purposes. Like it's just, you know, checking in with groups and using messenger and kind of having those, those community uh, or one-to-one -one connections versus consuming content through the platform. Um, how, how, how do you use groups? That's, that's, a, that's a good question. I've, I mean, Facebook to me has now become a literal memory bank. So I go and check the memories every day. That's, memory, that's my one yeah. thing because because basically from like 2009 to 2015, 16, I was posting on it exclusively. So yeah. I have some fun things that I, you know, and some very previous embarrassments that I publicly share with my friends um, <laughs> back in when I thought when I thought when I was, you know, I was back, back in the day. Um, 
but you know, I, it's funny. I have a the way I use Facebook now is 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 Messenger. Um, it's Messenger. It's it's uh, shopping. They're, they're, the Facebook Marketplace yeah. has actually become fantastic. It's kind of an yeah. eBay two point um, But it's it, it and 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 for, and for memories. But I think it's it, you're right. It speaks to the the proliferation of use cases across social. It's funny because it's very emblematic and it's very similar to the unbundling and now kind of currently rebundling of yeah. OTT and content platforms. So now yeah. everybody, you know, there was eventually just Netflix and HBO. Now there's 20 streaming platforms. And now as a result, all the cable companies and all the, the those channels are actually individually creating their own OTT, which is yeah. gonna lead to new services that rebundle everything. And I think there's going to be, there are things like Clubhouse that like we said, they're, they're directly reflective of the post pandemic world but they don't have a chat function, which is bizarre. That mm -hmm. chat function, when you meet these really amazing people in your new clubhouse communities, the, 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 they're asking you, they're basically saying, if you want to create a deeper connection with this person, jump off of the platform, right. jump Get onto off. Twitter, yeah. jump onto Instagram, which I found very, very interesting. And I'm sure is going to be something they're, they're very quickly working on because they're realizing that. But it's the... The, the the proliferation and the the preference shifting of different platforms have given rise to a whole bunch of sub communities that are almost proud and 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 uh, aligned with that creator community. You know, looking at the 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 pride of a TikTok creator, the the fact that um, on, on on TikTok people are able to actually monetize what they do because the platform is set for that. Meanwhile, you have platforms like Facebook and Instagram that are making it pretty hard for creators to make any money without them essentially gaming the system in front of their faces. Right. Um, so I think, but in general, like they, all of this consists of people who are sharing intimate vulnerabilities in their own life, more so than ever driven by a need of connection in the pandemic in hopes of making that connection and helping others. So that yeah. shared sense of empathy, in my opinion, is alive and well. And I'm really interested to see what our industry can do with it. Yeah, no, it, it truly is. And I think it's fascinating because for the first time ever, truly, where there there's a truly global um, human insight, you know, that, that brands can work off. And it is mm -hmm. all around the state that the world is in and how our lives are have just radically changed. And we're all in that same boat. I mean, not, you know, in some markets, slightly less so than others, <laughs> you know, cough, sure. cough, Australia and New Zealand. But, <laughs> but outside of that, you know, we're all facing the same challenges. And I think that that kind of uh, insight that we have to tap into is, is very powerful and how we can then use that to be more, you know, we've seen brands be so much more human too. Like that's, it's it's a behavior that's showing across, you know, all areas. But I, I we just thought this community trend of, you know, the comeback of community quite literally has happened this this past year. And we're going to see that evolve further and further, specifically through platforms like Clubhouse, which, you know, they will evolve, they they will learn and they will find the best ways to kind of interact. But, um, and will they even stay around? I mean, that's the second question, you know, since we have other, channels like Twitter um, quickly tapping into this this audio trend as well. Um, but I think it's just going to be really interesting to see how how this comeback to community um, changes or stays as we kind of come back to our, you know, 2.0 lives um, post the pandemic as well. That will be fascinating to see.
I totally agree. And, and what I've found is interesting is the, you know, the rise of, of the sub-communities, the, prefer, the preferential rise of sub-communities. You take a look at something like Substack, where you are all of a sudden able to follow a certain author or a certain journalist with a very unique perspective that might blend, you know, they might be focused on the bleeding edge of pop culture and technology and, and, and Gen okay. Z. Yeah. And they're the, the, you know, the, the triple intersection of that forms the basis of their consistent weekly newsletter, which attracts nerds like you and I who are interested in that kind of stuff into this world. And all of a sudden, the communities are being built that include, you know, a lot of these Substack consumers are, are, or authors are including um, Discord uh, opportunities to chat directly or Clubhouse, uh, you know, weekly Clubhouse talks are inviting community in for these incredibly, incredibly specific subgroups. So I think this, this, this sense of connection, um, especially as it results to, to, to interests and the usual things that we can go out and share with each other in, in real life, you know, the, the subgroups and the sub-interests are, are really what's, what's exploding in my head. And, you know, it, it, it shows, you know, Twitter bought Review, which is the Substack competition, which led to a, uh, you know, into a Substack article by Substack's founder saying, basically, to Twitter and Facebook and the newsletter game, bring it on. Like we, we, right. we're, we're ready, yeah. this is a, this is good for the industry because it's good to be able to pay creators to bring in community. Yeah. Yeah. And TikTok is no different. I mean, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's kind of um, a, a shift that we're seeing across the board. So um, no, really fascinating. I guess to round it out, like, what do you see the, when it comes to this comeback of community, what do you see the number one opportunity being for brands? I think these brands and these industries looking to make a meaningful splash into these social conversations need to take a deep look at their current conservative uh, legal and publishing philosophies. Mm -hmm. you know, if, if you snuff out an idea in legal out of a 15-year-old fear of being sued or being laughed at or being poked fun of, then you're holding yourself back oh, and leaving a lot wrong. on the table. Yeah. You're leaving a lot on the table for your competitors to come take. Right. On, more, on the other side of that, by investing and tapping into your curiosity of the whole human, of your, of your customer, be it a, a, you know, a, 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 someone in the market for a car, someone taking a flight, a doctor, a patient, yeah. beyond the transaction moment, and your core focus is sustaining a foundation of trust, mm -hmm. then you have a myriad of opportunities to create exactly the way you want it to create and use these platforms exactly how they're intended. I love that. I love that. Hey, um, it, it's been really great chatting with you. And I, I think we could honestly talk about these things for a whole day. Oh yeah. I could, I could literally go all day. I think you could too. <laughs> um, but um, this has been great. And I think, you know, let's, let's kind of um, keep in touch and see how, how we see these trends evolving. And, you know, we have a number of other trends as well. I would love to catch up with you on some of those too. Um, but I think this has been awesome and, you know, um, glad to have you. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining the Red Sky Fuel for Thought podcast. We hope you'll join us again for more of the latest communications, insights, and trends from the team at Red Havas. Please make sure to subscribe to the show using your favorite podcasting app. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Don't forget to rate and review today's show. We'd love to hear from you.